0: All right, time so for Baldry's <laughs> beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief I'm so, for Global I'm News. Sorry, you spilled your coffee there. Yeah, and all all over unfortunately, the it's water. Oh, it water. Okay, and I just good. spilled it all over my phone and everything. And here. over
1: the the priceless uh, <laughs> tabletop we have here at the DC Legislature. Yeah, that's
0: good. We soldier on. Show must go on here, okay? All right. I hope you don't short yourself out there. Is yeah, I know. Water there's water <laughs> everywhere. I've spilled water absolutely everywhere. If you electrify yourself, I will continue okay. on with the show. <laughs> okay. Thank you um let's talk about uh the the omicron threat here in in british columbia and it's interesting to see the bc government now taking some heat mm-hmm. over the the lack of these rapid tests that are being rolled out in other provinces notably alberta ontario lots of free rapid tests for covid yeah, being, B- and we don't ha- we don't why don't we have these rapid tests yeah so there's different types of
1: rapid tests and bc bought or are, are procured a bunch of rapid tests that are not the take-home kind. Alberta and Nova Scotia, though, and now evidently Ontario, did get in the line to get these take-home kits uh, where you can do it yourself without the need of um, chemicals or machines or healthcare professionals. And BC did not not go that route. And it's still a bit of a mystery why uh, BC didn't do that. We're, uh, we're supposed to get our uh, take-home kits in January, but right yeah. now... We're headed into the Christmas season, into the, um, we're in the midst of the respiratory illness season. Cases are starting to climb again. We, we started to bottom out in of COVID 19, but the last two days, uh, we were in the 300 uh, cases a day. Now we're in the 500 cases a day. The Omicron variant, we haven't got an update on that yet. We were at 44 cases as of Sunday. I suspect we're well beyond that now. Ontario is showing a big growth of Omicron. And so provinces are taking measures now to ward off Omicron. Um, Again, not necessarily following the advice of scientists, but nevertheless worried about the rise of Omicron. And B.C., we're not there when it comes to rapid testing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And let's listen to B.C. Health Minister Adrian Dix on this point. Yesterday, he took a lot of questions on this. Where are these rapid tests? They have them in other provinces. Why don't we have them here? Here's what he had to say. You're also going to hear from Dr. Burinder Narang here, too. We'll be laying out our... uh Rapid testing plan coming up next Tuesday. I'm worried
1: that we're not getting the tests out fast enough, and I understand that there have been logistical concerns, but we've seen that other provinces have been able to bypass that.
0: Yeah, so if you take a look in Ontario, for example, they're handing out free rapid tests at liquor stores, shopping mm-hmm. malls. I mean, you know, you could get a free rapid test anywhere in Ontario. They're,
1: they're, they're handing them out because they have them, and we don't yeah. have them. Uh, and again, the decision was made by public health not to get those particular tests uh, at this particular time. We're not getting into to January. Now and that was a mistake, that, right? Well, having settled that, uh, look at what's going on in Germany, Denmark, and United Kingdom, where they have a tremendous amount of rapid tests available. Their number—it's not stopping the spread of Omicron, and it's not stopping the spread of COVID nineteen. Their numbers are escalating. Uh, Germany's got nine times the cases of BC. UK has eleven times the cases of BC. So, uh, rabbit tests are one tool in a multi tool toolbox, but it's not going to stop the spread of
0: the virus. But we need them, though. I mean, this is, you know, primary defense that we a lot of other provinces are rolling out right now. And I think it's a bad look on Dix and BC that we don't have this. Well, it's
1: a questionable. I'm not sure from a science point of view whether it's, again, it's not the silver bullet. Um, it's not going to stop the spread of the Well, uh, nobody's COVID-19. saying it is a silver bullet no, or people it's going to stop it. People are saying that. And that's who? Well,. A number of politicians are saying if you have more rapid tests, you're going to stop the spread of the variant. And I just I'm not sure those evidence supports that. But having said that. I think it would give the public a peace of mind if they were allowed access to this type of uh,
0: this type of medical it kinda, surveillance it kind of surprised me a little bit yesterday when when Dix called this news conference this was an unscheduled news conference that he called yesterday right
1: yeah yes and no i talked to him beforehand It was basically there was we 're in this strange situation where you don 't have the regular access to, to ministers and so when a bunch of media calls came in not only on rapid tests remember yesterday there was also the travel advisory. Yeah. Ah, uh, we wanted response from health on that. We wanted response on rapid tests. We wanted response on the Ontario moving up the booster doses. Uh, there was about well, th- three or four or five uh, big stories yesterday on the healthcare front, which is why Dix came out and had a news conference.
0: Okay, well, it, it still kind of surprised me though that you know there was some okay guys doing this news conference that had not been previously scheduled. I thought okay, here it comes with the rapid tests, or he's going to move up the booster shots. And uh, he I never he shows up and he doesn't have any. I never, for a moment, thought he would move
1: up the booster shots. Dr. Bonnie Henry made it very clear the day before in the briefing, we were going to follow Nancy's uh, advice. And until Nancy changes his, his advice on booster doses... Uh, We're not going to change the booster dose. uh, Even though Ontario
0: is doing that. Like, what's Ontario doing on the boosters?
1: They're moving it from six months to three months. Right. So three-month interval. But again, that's not on the advice of science. That's on the advice of politicians.
0: Okay, well, speaking of politicians, so Ontario Premier Doug Ford. So free rapid testing in Ontario, moving up the the timeline on those booster shots. So they're doing a lot in Ontario. Here's uh, the Ontario Premier yesterday.
1: This is a call to arms. And now, more than ever, we need everyone to be doing their part. For some, that will mean helping deliver these shots into Ontarians' arms. But for most, it means Simply getting your booster as soon as you can.
0: Okay, so is there pressure on BC now to follow suit on this? Or do you think no, they'll hold firm will...
1: No, uh, unless NASA changes this, um, its advice, which is based on science. And science always changes. It's not, you know, it's, science is an evolving situation. So if NASA changes its advice on boosters, and it may very well do that, in the wake of the omicron variant which is much more transmissible if the science supports getting your booster earlier NASA will recommend w- what that what is BCAA? the current
0: recommendation 6 months six after months. your second yeah. shot 6 months right. after your
1: second shot so right now we're going to get a whole bunch of second uh, third doses in january because there's a whole bunch of people who got their second dose their second dose about 6 months ago and that's that's there's a real um, large segment of the population that will suddenly become Uh, eligible in in January for the third dose.
0: Just going back to those rapid tests for a minute and the lack thereof in in British Columbia, it seems to me that Bonnie Henry had been kind of historically resistant to these rapid tests. Like if you Mm. go back to the outbreaks in long-term care homes and you had long-term care homes in B.C. saying, please give us these rapid tests so we can use them. And she was was hesitant. She didn't want to do it. Yeah, there was resistance. Again, rapid
1: tests have evolved in terms of their uh, efficacy their their accuracy, and, uh, and they're their, better now. They're, and they're, 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 they're more accurate now than they were at the beginning right. of the pandemic. So BC made a decision early on that the rapid tests we're not seeing is that accurate. So we're not, we're going to pass on this stuff. I'm not again. It's still a bit of a mystery how Alberta and, um, other, and Nova Scotia were able to get in early on these take home tests. Again, BC doesn't have a lot of these take home tests that you can no. just do yourself. Uh, we went in for the, for the other ones that are more, um, more complicated and need more than just yourself to administer. And it's, it's a bit of a mystery how Alberta and Nova Scotia got in ahead of us.
0: Okay. Let me ask you about the latest chapter in the, in the Doug McCallum saga. So now we've learned that Surrey taxpayers will pay for his legal bills. He's hired a very expensive lawyer to defend him on this public mischief charge. We talked about this earlier on the show today. And also Surrey counselor Jack Hundile this morning on with Simi Sarah. Speaking about Surrey taxpayers paying for this lawyer, he's not happy about it. Here's what he had to say. Well, do I think it's fair? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, when I look at the rationale behind uh, the public tax dollars being paid for uh, to defend elected officials, uh, it's very clear to me that it does not really include anything criminal Okay, well, he is saying that you shouldn't, Surrey taxpayers should not pay if the guy's facing a criminal charge. I I don't think he, I don't know if he understands how this indemnification system works, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I suspect if you took a poll of Surrey residents, they would not support tax dollars paying paying Doug McCallum, but the policy is that it does, um, and it does protect politicians. And people argue McCallum was on a shopping trip. You know, he was trying to provoke a confrontation with the people on the uh, the red hot button issue of uh, surrey policing and and brought this upon himself. Uh, that the charge basically accuses McCallum of lying to the police. Is that part of your public duties? But, yeah, I think uh, Jack Honda and others can argue this all they want, but the policy is the policy, and I don't think it's going to change it. I think McCallum's bills will be covered.
0: The other thing to keep in mind is the serious nature of this, because I've had some people say, like, oh, this is such a frivolous case. Why are they even going forward with it? Just just let it go. He wanted the woman charged, okay? So the woman who was driving this Ford Mustang mm-hmm. that he alleges he, she hit him, that's a serious charge, and mm-hmm. he wanted her charged with that. I mean, her life could have been ruined or up turned upside down by oh, that. Oh yeah, no, this,
1: this is this is People think of mischief as being spray painting graffiti and type of thing. This is not what yeah. this charge is. There's mischief, right. and then there's public mischief. Public mischief is much more serious. It's five years in jail if you're convicted, potentially, uh, if you're on an indictable offense. Although I think he's going to be charged some, uh, summarily. Um, but again, this is basically causing police to uh, um, investigate something, which means tying up police resources, uh, which could otherwise be spent doing something else. Also making an accusation about another individual's behavior, which also put them at the focal point of investigation. So this is more serious than spray painting a,
0: a wall. It's Baldry's Beat. Phone lines are opening. Up. Lots of calls here. Mark and Delta. Hi, Mark.
1: Hey there, I just wanted to say that uh, the super awesome science guy has said it numerous times on your show, that six months or longer is way better for your the immunity system than, mm-hmm. um, than less than that. So I'm going to take my advice from him rather than Doug Ford. Okay,
0: Thanks. thank you for that. Jason Tetro is the guy you're referring yeah. to. He's actually going to be on the show later well, today. So
1: Jason's uh, uh, very knowledgeable. I would definitely follow Jason Tetro over Doug Ford. Yeah,
0: okay, Kelly and Ladner. Hi, Kelly. Oh, hi, there. Um, I was just thinking, um, Doug
1: McCallum's not the first politician, probably, that's needed a lawyer. So why couldn't uh, the council or the government, local government, pay for his um, his fee, mm. and then they they have a level that they, you know, a certain amount that they will pay, and then anything above that, McCallum has to pay himself.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, uh, right now it's uh, 100% indemnification. Right. Uh, I
0: don't see... So why not hire the best? Yeah. Right? He's gone <laughs> out and got Richard, Richard Peck. Yeah. Richard Peck. So Peck's I might as well... Top high, flight lawyer. You might as well hire the best yeah. guy you can get if you're not as well. paying for it.
1: It's not coming out of his pocket.
0: Yeah. Unless he's convicted, right? Then maybe... Well, then we'll see.
1: Well... Uh, then we'll see. Um, oh. Well, I, I still have a feeling that Surrey taxpayers
0: will be on the hook one way yeah, or another. Yeah, I think so too. Jim in Surrey. Hi, Jim. Hi, guys. I you know, I I remember a time when honorable politicians stepped down if they were being investigated
1: by the police. I guess it's not like that anymore. And my 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 comment is, no, the Surrey taxpayers that go to
0: work every day and sweat for their money should not pay for McCallum's legal fees. Okay, thank you for that, Jim. Yeah, raises an interesting point.
1: It was a time uh, when politicians would step down yeah. when they were under investigation. Notably, I remember back in the 1980s, uh, yeah. uh, the health minister of BC, Peter Duick, yeah. stepped down because his deputy was under RCMP investigation. And wow. the opposition NDP uh, made a It was Glenn Clark, actually, in opposition, demanded that Duick step down. Uh, because his deputy is under investigation. And much to Cl- Clark and everyone else's surprise, Duick did step down. He said it was the honorable thing to do because of his
0: ministry was under a cloud. And you, yeah, don't see that that you don't see that anymore. You're right. That used to be kind of standard that if there was an accusation, you would step aside. Yep. And uh, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Like Hasn't been the case for years. I remember you describing it once as a lot of politicians started adopting a no-trophy policy. Mm-hmm that we are not going to give our critics, our opponents, a yep. trophy by uh, stepping down. We're going to say, hell no, we're not going anywhere.
1: Yeah, that uh, that actually began, I think, in the 1990s uh, yeah. with the NDP government, and right. it continued with the BC liberals, and now, uh, present day.
0: Let's go to Eric on the line in Kelowna. Hi. Hey, Keith, I wanted to
1: ask you, I'm up here in Kelowna working for a transit authority um, and we're working under the BC Transit mandate, uh, vaccination mandate, and we have about 10% of our workers off work. But I know people that are working down at Delta Port under the federal mandate and they are not being required to be vaccinated. Their union on their site says that it is a non- um, you know, compelling um policy, but mm. I'm wondering if you know anything about that on on how they're getting around it so I can represent my workers better up here in the Okanagan. Yeah, I'm not aware of uh Delta Port's uh policies on that. Um uh, I think the 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 advice right now is not to get around vaccine mandates, it's to follow vaccine mandates. I'm surprised that ten percent of your workforce is off off work, the percentage in BC Healthcare and the BC Public Service, uh, which is fairly, we're talking, you know, well more than 100,000 people, 100, probably 150,000 people, the non-compliance to vaccine is less than 2%. It's about 1%. So that strikes me for transit up there to be 10% is pretty high.
0: Let's go to Noreen on the line in Abbotsford. Hi. Hi, Keith. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hey, um, I'm just calling in about the booster. So I had two AstraZeneca's, and I got notified the day of the sixth month and two days later I got my booster.
1: Mm. Yeah. That and awesome. what was it? Was it Moderna or Pfizer?
0: You could pick. Right. I took Pfizer. No, they offered both.
1: Well that's the way it's supposed to work. I'm getting emails from people who are a little concerned that it's six months now and they haven't been notified. It's gonna be you know, there's gonna be instances where there's gonna be some delays. We're in the Christmas season. There's going to be some staffing shortages. There's going to be some pharmacies that are closing down for a few days uh, over the Christmas season, so... I'm at the six-month mark as well. When it comes to, I was double AstraZeneca. I'm waiting for my notice, which should come next week, but maybe it'll come in January. So I, th- I think people just have to be a little patient.
0: we just got one minute left here. We were discussing off-air the, the travel advisory that came out yesterday. Do you think a lot of people, let's say they've booked a holiday, they're going to Mexico next week or something, do you think most people would cancel? Or they just keep traveling.
1: Well, some will cancel, but anecdotally, I was on Jazz Joe Hall show yesterday. We took four calls, uh, all of them saying, I'm still going to travel. And a yeah. lot of people are, are using the argument, So the federal government has not defined what is essential travel. A lot of people are going to use the argument, my mental health is essential. I've been in this pandemic for two years now. I haven't traveled. I have obeyed the rules. I'm double dosed. I'm going to travel. I think you're going to see a lot of people do that.